Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, you're listening to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, joined with my co-host, Jim Resky. Jim, how are you? Fantastic, Greg. How are you doing? Doing well. We're at the end of uh, another year, and we've looked back, and we've seen like over, well over 10,000 downloads from all these different countries. We talked about it recently on one of our, our podcasts. Pretty exciting how God's Word is spreading all over the globe. You know, oh, yeah, it is. And it's exciting that we have one tiny, tiny, tiny little drop in that ocean or one little part uh, that we're able to play a part in it. That's exciting for any Christian to do. It's all what we really want, right? To have something to do with the Lord's will and something to do with advancing his kingdom on earth and for him to use us in any way possible. So, yeah, it's really exciting. And and I'm excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. Greg. Yeah. Do you want to introduce it? We are going to talk about the book of Galatians. Uh, both of us are going to speak on Galatians uh, and coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, and I uh, I had already signed up for the second half of Galatians and I was kind of twisting your arm, Greg, to sign up for the first half so we could tag team on it and do it together. And uh, super excited about it because such a great exposition of the gospel. Absolutely. I The book of Galatians, what a unique letter from Paul. And right away, when you read it, it stands out from the other epistles. Yeah. Um, because Paul normally has his greetings, which he has in this, but then usually he he kind of goes into this like um how he's praying for them and some sort of like really positive, encouraging note. But in this one, you can tell he's really upset. Yeah. It's, it's a little a, bit um, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, it's, it's, but he's upset because kind of like our podcast, the gospel addict podcast, we believe the gospel is the key to everything. Right. And uh, what was happening in a church that uh, the churches in Galatia that Paul founded is other teachers uh, crept in and started um, adding to the gospel. That's right. Adding to the to the uh, the power of the of of the real gospel, and and so Paul felt the need to write this letter, and I, you you almost sense the urgency, mm-hmm. and you sense his um, incredible um, passion to try to wake the people up from what's happening. Yeah, so it's like I said, it's argumentative. It's he's almost almost um angry at times like the the that uh false teachers are coming in and leading these people astray and leading them away from the real gospel but yeah there's a um urgency in his voice uh but but he he almost like he comes out swinging like he's it does it's yeah yeah. there's some harsh pretty bold verses in here yeah it's a real bold attack on legalism which is based on works that's Um, right it is, um, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really great. So we should tell the listeners kind of what we're going to do. So if, if we'll see how this goes, but we might just do 
a podcast on each chapter of Galatians because there's so much in here. It'd be nice to just kind of study them one book at a time. And we'll see, maybe maybe we break the podcast into two podcasts per chapter, maybe just one per chapter, but I think that's kind of, we're going to go go through it kind of slowly and kind of learn what we can learn from it. Right, right. So if we start out like in that, in the chapter one, he just, he just gives a strong warning against leaving the true gospel. So why don't we dive in and read some of it? And, you know, I, I found, um, I recently came across uh, um, the J.B. Phillips translation of the New Testament. Um, you know, it's 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 not my go-to translation, but mm-hmm. um, just to kind of do something a little different, um, sometimes it's good to read the Bible in, in a different translation. Um, I thought maybe we could use his translation um, tonight. And so, what did you say? You knew something about the history of the J.B. Phillips translation, like do you Well, I know it was written right around or be, uh, right right after World War II, and uh, by obviously J.B. Phillips. Um, other than that, I don't I don't know too much about it, but I know that um, I, I guess what really caught my eye is, and I'm going to jump ahead to chapter three. Okay. Um, <laughs> And I, I, I think maybe we'll start here. In chapter three, listen to what J.B. Phillips, how he translates chapter three, the first, uh, the first few verses. He says, Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia, who saw Jesus Christ, the crucified, so plainly, who, who has been casting a spell over you? I will ask you one simple question. Did you receive the Spirit of God by trying to keep the law? or by believing the message of the gospel. Surely, you can't be so idiotic as to think that a man begins his spiritual life in the spirit and then completes it by reverting to outward observances. So um, when I heard that, I just, I just thought that was like, um, and, and in every translation, it's, it's, it's a very, very strong language, but I just thought that was really interesting, uh, the way he in, in the New International Version, he says, you foolish Galatians, not you idiotic Galatians, and says, who has bewitched you, and are you so foolish, but not like, are you, are you such idiots? So, but maybe that's a, if, if there's a, that's a translation that doesn't pull any punches. Right. The perfect translation for Galatians, because that's what Paul's doing, not pulling any punches. So, but so oh, he really is trying to, he's got the alarms going off, you know, yeah. he's, he's trying to wake the people up to what's happening. Yeah, and how they've drifted away from the gospel and kind of turned back. And we've talked about we talk about this a lot on the podcast that the default setting of the human heart is always towards performance and works. Yeah, that's right. And so it's easy for people to when they first come to know Jesus to receive Him as a gift to receive to receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith. And start out that way, but then to quickly drift back into some sort of performance or work mentality. And the background of Galatians, the big picture, let me start this, Greg, and you can take take off or fill in the gaps, but it's that, you know, Paul had set up these churches in Galatia, which is a region in modern-day Turkey, right? So there were some Roman villages towards the southern part of that middle part of Turkey. He had been there as a missionary journey, set up these churches. But then after he left, other 
Christians came by and they were uh I don't know if Judeo Christians or Jewish Christians, but they basically Judaizers. They were called Judaizers. Judaizers. So they so said they were, they were Jewish, but then they became Christians. Um once they heard the gospel, they responded to the gospel, but then they wanted to bring all that Jewish tradition into the Christian faith and and make people um obey the the laws and uh and basically it just became legalism right and so this is so they were saying is i heard this phrase and maybe i got it from you Greg. It's, it was jesus plus right yeah. and they're saying it's great that you believe in jesus for your salvation it's fantastic it's exactly true it's right you're saved from by jesus amen you got it. that's right now however well, you that's not enough you need you need to do that and also keep the jewish law keep keep the law right and be a good person and do all these other things in particular circumcision was one thing but other things yes. too if you say you've got yes 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 jesus saves you so i, I don't think they were arguing with that they say you have, you have salvation through jesus but you have on top of that you have to perform you have to do these other things this um to keep the law as well so that's why people summarize everybody saying yeah it's jesus but jesus plus not yes that's right and then if you think about the apostle paul his ministry was to the gentiles so those are non-jewish people right and so they were uncircumcised and so one of the big issues for these new um christians was you know the judaizers said you need to be circumcised right 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 you know and uh and so paul got really upset because you know, he, like, like we say on this podcast, we come to Christ. Our salvation is through, by faith, through grace, through Christ alone. And so is our sanctification. That's it. That's our sanctification is um, through the gospel. We're sanctified right. by the gospel. The, so, man, the, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. And um, so... Let me let me just read the uh, the first paragraph of chapter one, and again, this is the Phillips translation. He says, "I, Paul, who who am appointed and commissioned a messenger, not by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. I and all the brothers with me send the churches in Galatia greeting, grace and peace to you from God the Father and uh, and from our Lord Jesus Christ." who, according to the Father's plan, gave himself for our sins and thereby rescued us from the present evil world order. To him be glory forever and ever. So right there in his greetings, you know, he, he kind of reminds them of the gospel. It was the Father's plan, you know, who gave Jesus for our sins and thereby rescued us um, from this present world evil. So... um but then this is where in his normal letters, he would have like a couple paragraphs of like, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm really encouraged about your faith. And but he just turns and. Um, you want to read that next paragraph? Well, before we know, there's a lot of still in this paragraph. And so and we don't have to do it word by word, but I did. I was starting to uh, look at um, Luther's commentary on Galatians. And there's a reason for that. I mean, I, uh, I was listening to a, a Keller sermon on Galatians, and he's mentioned this story several times about the Great Awakening, Great Awakening that took place 
in the United States and Europe in the 1700s, where uh, John and Charles Wesley, the brothers, uh, were um, uh, really launched uh, through the Methodist Church and others, I think, through uh, just launched an incredible revival. And over hundreds of thousands of people uh, were saved, and it really um, started churches uh, on both sides of the Atlantic and really kind of had a great impact on kind of the history of Western civilization and the path it took, right? So in a lot of different ways. But what really launched all that, if you remember the story, was that both of them were Christians that were kind of burned out. And they were, I think they were already missionaries or they were already in Christian service trying to do all kinds of great things. They were really burned out. And they were at a prayer meeting where someone was reading Luther's commentary on Galatians. And in mm -hmm. Luther's commentary on Galatians, Luther at one point says, so then have we nothing to do know nothing and those words just like just lit a fire in and, and, and i can't remember if it was john wesley or charles wesley, one of the two brothers so much so that he said that everyone saw his the, the reaction on his face they started praying for him immediately he said when he left the prayer meeting he said i couldn't even feel the ground underneath my feet it was like like his whole life just changed and what he got was the gospel right but he was already a believer but he got this idea that the gospel is not just for my justification, it's for my sanctification as well. It's everything. The gospel is everything, mm. right? Not just ABCs, the A to Z, like we always say, right? So it's absolutely everything. And so that Luther's commentary on Galatians, right? so it's so significant to them, I pulled it up and tried to find an English translation. I was looking at it. And and there's some just uh, just interesting stuff as he goes phrase by phrase in here. And, he, and one thing he, Luther said in his commentary on this is that, Paul doesn't waste any space. He doesn't waste any words. This introduction, all of it kind of echoes everything that's going to come later. Like all the all the themes in here he's doing for purpose and effect because he's going to really revisit them later and get them home. So the gospel comes out right here at the beginning. And I think you see it in that phrase, um, grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the Father's plan, gave himself for our sins. And the Greek... I, I, not that I'm a Greek scholar, but there's from the commentary says he gave himself as a substitute for our sins in our place. So he's like packing the whole gospel in here saying it is a complete gift, right? It's, it's Jesus gave himself for, for us as our substitute, not something you earn, not something you've achieved, not something you accomplish, but, the, but according to God's perfect plan, that's the, a gift that you receive from him. And then, Sorry, go on one more second in the next phrase. And thereby rescued us from the present evil world order uh, that, that we are rescued. And you wouldn't, you know, you um, you just wouldn't go to any other leader of any religion like Buddha or, or Muhammad. And, and they don't claim to rescue. They don't promise to rescue. They don't offer to rescue you, right? They um, show you the way. But anyway, the, so the one little thing I got, Greg, from my little reading of starting to read Luther's commentary was that the entire gospel is all packed in this little intro, and it creates themes that are then echoed later throughout the whole book. That That's a classic work that Martin Luther wrote, his uh, commentary on the book Galatians. And in that commentary, he says that he loved Galatians so much, it was like his wife. So... <laughs> I, which, it's almost which like us would say today, right? So, so you know, you could say Luther had two wives. One was the book of Galatians, and one was, you know, his his wife. And but no, I mean, there's no written record of how his wife felt about that statement, right? So, 
And I think that, that, I mean, the book of Galatians changed his life. Mm, yes. Yes. No. And, uh, and that's, that's what caused him to read it. I saw some, it's a very thick, uh, commentary that he wrote on the book of Galatians, but, um, that's powerful. I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, the gospel's right there, right at the beginning. But then his tone changes. Right. Verses six and seven. You want to read that? Yeah. And I got the J.B. Phillips translation pulled up. I'll read. Let's well, go six through eight, I think is the next section. It says, I am amazed that you have so quickly transferred your allegiance from him who called you in the grace of Christ <clears throat> to another <clears throat> quote unquote gospel. Not, of course, that it is or ever could be another gospel, but there are obviously men who are upsetting your faith with the travesty of the gospel of Christ. Yet I say that if I or an angel from heaven were to preach to you any other gospel than the one you have heard, may he be damned. You have heard me say it before, and now I put it down in black and white. May anybody who preaches any other gospel than the one you have already heard be a damned soul. Does that make you think that I am now serving man's interests or God's? If I were trying to win human approval, I should never be Christ's servant. Wow. Yeah, what's your take on that? That's really something. Well, I think this is this is where you know he gets really it, he he takes us very personal and yeah. uh and he kind of you know, like I said, he gets right to the heart of the matter, the heart of the letter is this whole idea that you know um they are being deceived and not and, and they've drifted from the true gospel and yeah. uh and he even says like there really is no other gospel there's only one gospel that's right but but you you know you have drifted away and he, and he says even if an angel from heaven were to preach to you any other gospel than the one that that you heard from me, may he be anathema or may he be damned. Right. That is, I mean, that is such powerful language. Interesting that he says, even if an angel, even from an angel in heaven, because I think the other people were probably giving them great credentials. Like, oh, is that Paul? Paul who told you those things? You know, Paul wasn't even a Christian when Christ, you know, walked the earth. He was later and he persecuted the church so he doesn't have nearly the credentials i have and i'm a much better person than paul and and paul said look yeah that's nice even if an angel gives you a different message i don't care how wonderful these people were that told you this thing if an angel tells you a different gospel run away right it's not it's not it's not truth he's so so protective of the gospel but i think he's saying the angel thing on purpose to say you know, the stature or the status or perceived status of the people who told you this has nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. I also think that, you know, he must have shared his testimony to the Galatians um, when he was founding the church and just, you know, getting to know the people. And he had a powerful testimony. I mean, he came, he encountered Christ himself. Right. Um, on the road to Damascus. And, and he, of all people, was like a Jew of all Jews. Like he was a Pharisee. He was, he, he was like a faultless um, Pharisee, um, you know, and, and that's why he was, he, he was against, you know, Christ 
and was trying to put Christians, you know, uh, persecute them and put them to death. And that's when, when Jesus appeared to him. So he knew the power of the gospel, I guess is my point. Yeah. yeah. And his life was changed, forever changed by the true gospel. And, and he just sees these people falling back into legalistic righteousness, which he was very, um, I mean, he lived that way. Yeah. Um, before yeah. he before he met Christ, he he was a legalistic Pharisee. Yeah, yeah, I know that's uh, absolutely. If you look at this, the way he gives his personal testimony in Philippians three, right? He's saying if anyone wants to rank themselves on a scale of one to ten, I was a ten, right? I did all these things, and then, um, but then he says they're all rubbish. I count them all rubbish for them. they're all trash. You know, all 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 my righteousness is filthy rags. It doesn't that's count. Right. It kind of all is lost for the sake of knowing Christ, right? So, yeah, um, yeah he he's a guy who could have said, I, you know, if, if it's all about climbing the ladder, spiritual performance and righteousness, I've climbed it more than most any of you ever will. And it doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't count. Yeah, and actually, actually, the rest of chapter one, that he kind of he kind of goes along those those lines because he chapter one is really just a personal. It's it's his personal um, comments. Um, yeah. You know, so he says in, in verses 11 and 12, the gospel I preach to you is no human invention. No man gave it to me. No man taught it to me. It came to me as a direct revelation from Jesus Christ. So he's he's referring to his testimony there that he yeah. had an encounter with Jesus himself. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't well, through an angel. It wasn't through another man. It was, you know, so he understood the gospel. And then he goes into his past, you know, before, in before verse 13. That, oh, go ahead. You, just on this, this idea of like, see, I had direct revelation of Jesus Christ because there's a big distinction between like capital A apostles and little A apostles, right? So there could be little A apostles that start churches and plant this. That's some sense in the people use that word. I think the Bible uses that word. People just are church planners. Yeah, they do think of an apostle, but there's only a there's only a limited number of capital A apostles, right? That Jesus chose and designated, and it's such a huge distinction of what we consider the canon of what was a, a scripture, right? And right. written by someone who had direct contact with Jesus. Yeah. Not just later, someone else who came later thought, "Oh, I had some. I have some thoughts and impressions too." Right now, I mean. You might say, I love the work of C.S. Lewis, and I love the work of Tim Keller, and I love John Piper. I read these books. They're so inspirational to me, you know, but they're not scripture. They're not scripture because they did not have direct contact with Jesus. And Paul asserts his authority here you know, very clearly, like, you know, no man gave it to me. No man taught it to me. It came as a direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And by the way, could you imagine anyone saying that kind of thing today? Because now everything's just opinion, right? Oh, great. You could say anything. That's nice. And I could say something, write a thought down. You have, you have an opinion. I have, we all, I have an opinion too, right? And he's like, oh, no, this is, this is not me at all. You don't yeah. understand. This is revelation, not my idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a very good point there. Very good point. So, so, well, and so when he, you know, when he related with Peter and, and uh, the other apostles, you know, he saw Jesus in a different. He he had he had a direct connection to Jesus, but it was a different, um, 
a different experience than those guys had. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so then he goes back into his past. He says in verse 13, for you have heard of my past career in the Jewish religion, how I persecuted the church of God with fanatical zeal and, in fact, did my best to destroy it. It was ahead. Of, I was ahead of most of my contemporaries in the Jewish religion and had greater enthusiasm for the old traditions. Mm -hmm. But when the time came for God, who had chosen me from the moment of my birth and then called me by his grace to reveal his son within me so that I may proclaim him to the non-Jewish world, I did not, as, as might have been expected, talk over the matter with any human being. I didn't even go to Jerusalem to meet with those who were God's messengers before me. No, I went away to Arabia and later came back to Damascus. It was not until three years later that I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I only stayed with him for just for over a fortnight. I did not meet any of the other messengers except James, the Lord's brother. All this that I am telling you is, I assure you before God, the plain truth. Later, I visited the districts in Syria and Caesarea, but I was still personally unknown to the churches of Judea. All they knew of me, in fact, was the saying, the man who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they thank God for what happened to me. So he's, he, I guess he's laying down his credentials here, right? He's, um, he's trying to explain, um, um, he's, I guess, reminding, reminding them of his credentials mm -hmm. because these other teachers have probably somehow, um, obviously if they've been, a, if people have been, um, influenced by them, he feels like he feels the need to, 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 to remind them of his, uh, credentials. But I love, I love this verse. I love that verse, uh, that last verse. It has this testimony in like one sentence. The man who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. That's a that's like a cool one sentence testimony. Yeah, yeah, hundred eighty degree turnaround, right? Yeah, and Paul's conversion is such a dramatic turnaround, right? Someone who was zealously trying to keep all the law, um, and so he's you know so he's kind of saying the thing that they're telling you to do, keep the law. I have great experience in that because I tried to do that. And I was actually pretty good at it. Right. And so I know all about that. And then I met Jesus completely at a 100, 180 degree about face, uh, about face changed completely. And, um, and so I think it is, I think you're right. It's establishing his credentials, but I'm not sure I'm so clear about it. I'd love to do more study on it. Maybe you have some thoughts on is so much of this in establishing his credentials is, you know, here's the here's the history. I persecuted the church. I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I changed completely, and then he spends a couple of verses really drawing a distinction and a separation between him and all, and the other Christian leadership. Right? I didn't talk it over. I didn't, as it might be expected, talk over the matter with any even being. I didn't even go to Jerusalem to meet with them. I went away to Arabia instead. Instead, it wasn't until three years later I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and even then I just stayed with them for a very short time. 
I didn't meet anyone else there except James, the Lord's brother. So he's really trying to say, and draw a distinction, and not a distinction, he's trying to draw a separation. Yeah. I wasn't part of that crowd, I wasn't in that crowd, didn't run with that crowd, wasn't talking about this a whole lot. And so what do you, what's your take? Why do you think he's doing that? Why is he separate? He's trying to say, I, I want you to know I became, I was converted, but then I didn't spend a lot of time with them or wasn't really influenced by them. What do you think? Yeah, My, my gut tells me that he's trying to make it clear because this is all about the gospel. Right. He's trying to make it clear to them that the gospel was given to him by Christ himself, that Christ himself presented the gospel to him. Not it wasn't through a human agency, it wasn't through the other apostles. He wasn't influenced by these other guys, he wasn't influenced by other men. Mm-hmm. He had direct revelation and um of and so um that I mean that's that's my that's my thought uh right now, but I, I can look into that some more too. Yeah, honestly, right. I think I think you nailed it. I think it's exactly right. I mean it's always going to do more study on it and, under, and understand what others have said about it. But I think that's right. Cause he's trying to say, I, what I'm telling you is the direct pipeline. I had it from the, the direct pipeline, the direct revelation from Christ himself. This is the right gospel message, right? It's not like I was one of the crowd and pieced together some things I heard from Peter and some of the things I heard from James and I've heard from something John said, and I got it all together and I have my own version of it right my impression of it and this is you know paul's way of understanding it versus with just as much legitimacy or no more legitimacy than these other judaizers or they're called judaizers right that came later to influence the galatians the the other christians that came to try to lead the galatians astray right i'll say it's not like i have equal authority with them i have my own take on the gospel but like that authority of like no i had the direct pipeline untarnished uninfluenced by anybody so here's another thought is and you brought it up a little bit the apostle paul when he first comes on the scene he's kind of a scary character Mm -hmm. i mean um imagine being the guy ananias who is the one who heals some of his blindness right and you know god tells you hey here's this guy he 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 basically just helped put Stephen to death over here, the first Christian martyr. Right. He's coming for a, a he's coming for the Christians near you. Um, but I want you to go and touch his eyes and and heal him. I mean, Paul was somewhat controversial. I mean, I think a lot of people probably questioned his, um, you know, uh, his conversion, you know, and his credentials. He yeah, probably that, was quite often questioned about this, and so it's very important for him. And I, and and even in the Book of Acts, you 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 um, learn his testimony, and it's very Luke does a great job of kind of um, you know explaining his whole testimony. I think that's Acts chapter nine. But then mm-hmm. Paul shares his testimony like in two other places in the Book of Acts, and I'm guessing he shared his testimony a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes Uh, to make it clear to people that jesus changed his life the gospel changed his life yeah this is my yeah this is my life completely changed changed by him that's right yeah so um 
Well, and then, and, you know, there's something else. I, I got to find this guy, and I, I hate to bring it up because I, I have to have research it, but I remember hearing years and years and years ago, I mean like 20 or 30 years ago in a Bible study that Paul, after he became a Christian, like went out in the wilderness and was just like spent time personally with Jesus alone. And I don't, I don't know if I can find that in the Bible. I mean, it says here, for example, he says, um, Paul's describing his conversion. This is, I'm not sure what verse, is, verse it is. It says, I did not even go to Jerusalem to meet with those who are God's messengers before me. No, I went away to Arabia and later came back to Damascus. It was not until three years later that I went to Jerusalem. So he talks yeah. about like wandering off into the wilderness for a while. And I think it was someone, I don't know who got this idea, some preacher or someone else that said, you know, what he did in the wilderness, he was, he was like doing direct Bible study with Jesus. Like he was being discipled by Jesus one-on-one -on -one, uh, in the desert for three years. I said, well, that's really cool. But I'm not sure he really says that. It doesn't say, it doesn't say that here. And I don't know if I be able to find that anywhere else in scripture. That sounds like a good episode of uh, The Chosen. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's just creative license, you see, you yeah. know, that's yeah. what, Someone uh, when I was listening I to the, the, the chosen, said it, then I thought it was just it was creative license. Yeah. So. By the way, I like the chosen. I'm it's growing on me. When I first saw it, I was I didn't like it because really? I wanted it to be more like just you know straight like straight from the Bible. Yeah. But the more I watch it, the more I like it because it 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 gives you that um, divine creativity of like and really does kind of give you a sense of what it might have been like for those yeah. those guys. It's it's not trying to be replace scripture. It's just trying to say, hey, you know, these were real people, and and you know, they had real conversations. Back to chapter one. Anything else stand out to you? No, I think that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode, and remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace, and on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.